I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to look at verses 19 through 23. That's where we're going to start anyway. Philippians chapter 1. We're going to start in 19 through 23. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, you can grab one of the Pew Bibles there and turn to page 921 in the Pew Bible. It's page 921 in the Pew Bible. So Philippians 1, 19 through 23, 921 in the Pew Bible. If you don't have a Bible of your own, then please take that Pew Bible with you. We want everybody to have a copy of God's Word, so please take that and use it. Well, we're talking about heaven and hell. That's the focus of our study right now. And so we're, we're currently on heaven. We'll get to hell eventually. Uh, well, hope not, right? We hope we don't get to hell. But uh, we'll cover hell. We'll talk about hell uh, in coming days. But right now, we're focusing on heaven. And today, we're looking at present heaven present heaven and so what is heaven like right now Uh, at this current point in history what is heaven like where our loved ones are who've gone on before us what are they experiencing and so that's our focus right now today and and next week so when we think about heaven uh, we have a there's a, a whole lot of different misconceptions we know this we talked about this there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to heaven and what heaven is like what we will experience in heaven and many people kind of have these ideas that are based upon these misconceptions in mark twain's the adventures of huckleberry finn miss watson tells old huck all about the good place all about heaven and according to old huck she said all a body has all a body would have to do there was to go around all day long with a harp and sing forever and ever so I didn't think much of it I asked her if she reckoned Tom Sawyer would go there and she said not by a considerable sight and I was glad because I was glad about that because I wanted him to be with me uh, he and me to be together so Huck didn't think much about heaven when he thought about just floating around on a cloud, plucking at a harp all day. I'll be honest, if that's the way it was, I wouldn't think much about it either. Sounds kind of boring, doesn't it? But that's the way a lot of people think. Maybe people have this, th- uh, this thought about heaven, this vision of heaven that includes us floating around on clouds and just kind of plucking a harp, eating some grapes, just kind of leisuring, uh, laying around all day, lazing around all day, every day for all of eternity. And the thing is, a lot of Christians even have this kind of idea about heaven. In his book, The Journey of Desire, John Eldridge notes, nearly every Christian I have spoken with has some idea that eternity is an unending church service. We have settled on an image of the never-ending sing-along in the sky. One great hymn after another, forever and ever, amen. And our hearts sink forever and ever that's it that's the good news and then we sigh and feel guilty that we are not more spiritual 
We lose heart and we turn once more to the present to find what life we can. And thus is the plight of many Christians. Because of misconceptions about heaven, many dread the thought of eternal boredom. Well, I don't think heaven's going to be boring. And Scripture certainly doesn't paint a heaven that is boring. And so today I want us to begin to think about heaven and what heaven is like. Paul certainly didn't have this kind of idea of heaven. As we look at our text of Scripture, or this is, like I say, this is kind of the starting point. We're going to go to a lot of different Scriptures as we look at heaven. But in Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 through 23, notice what Paul says here. He's contemplating heaven. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Paul's in prison. He's looking at the possibility of death. He doesn't really know what's going to happen. He, he might end up sentenced to death. He might not. So he, he's kind of wondering what will happen, but, but he thinks he's going to be delivered from this imprisonment. So he says, uh, I don't, uh, uh, through your prayers of, I lost my place here. Uh, through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Notice what he says. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I don't, I don't know which I, what to hope for. I don't know which to pray for, life or death. I, I, I don't know which way to choose. I, I don't know. I'm struggling here. He goes on and says, I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Now, it doesn't look like Paul envisions a boring heaven. He says, that's where I want to be. I want to be in heaven. I don't want to be here. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful to do the ministry of the Lord. But the better thing for me would be just to go to heaven and to be with the Lord. That is far better. Oh, we should desire heaven. We should desire heaven. In Paul's view, present heaven is a most desirable place to be. Present heaven is a most desirable place to be. And, and this Sunday and next Sunday, I want us to get that vision. I, I want us to long, just as Paul longs for, longed for heaven, I want us to, to leave this place starting to long for heaven if we're not already. So today we're going to look at present heaven. What and where? What is it? Where is it? 
And then next week, we're going to take up and look at what life is like in the present heaven. So today, we're going to start by looking at what heaven is, what it's like, and where it is. So before we get into it, though, let me bless our time here in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And Lord, today, we pray that you would write its eternal truth on our, all of our hearts, Lord. Lord, you have revealed to us, you have given us little, little visions, Lord, not, not the whole picture, but you've given us little visions of heaven, even as it is now, even as it is right now, where our loved ones are, Lord, they are in your presence, and Lord, because they're there, we, and, and you're there, Lord, we, we want to be there, but maybe, maybe there's just some of us that's like, but I just, I'm not sure, is it going to be fun? Or is it going to be boring? Maybe there's some here today who's got that image in their mind. Lord, relieve that vision today. And Lord, reveal to us the glory and the majesty of heaven, even as it is today. Oh Lord, set it in our heart to desire to be a part from this body apart from this world and in your glorious presence this i pray in christ's name amen well as we begin to to look this morning and we ask that question what is heaven what is heaven that's where we start what is heaven what's heaven like and the first thing that we see here heaven is a place Heaven is a place. We need to understand that it is an actual place in time and space. It's an actual place. Heaven is a place. It's a place. It's, it's not just a state of mind. It's not just a state of being. It's not just a state of consciousness. It's an actual place. It is a place. Now understand, we need to grasp this because in many cultures and in, in most of the other religions, Heaven's not really a place so much as it is these other things, as it is a, a state of mind or a state of consciousness. For the Greeks, philosophers like Plato and Aristotle, for example, for the Greeks, heaven was a state of being. You see, they believed that the material existence was, uh, uh, was bad, right? The physical existence, how we are in our bodies, this physical body, that's bad. It's corrupted. It, there's, there's evil. There's sickness. There's all of these things in this physical existence. Well, well that's bad. And while the spiritual existence, even they believe we had a physical body and a spiritual nature, a physical nature and a spiritual nature. For them, though, the, the spiritual existence, that was viewed as good. That was the better thing. And so heaven would be to die and escape the material and simply exist spiritually. And so Plato and Aristotle, they longed to part from this body because that was corrupt, it was bad, and just exist as a free-floating spirit. It was just a state of, of being. For Buddhists and Hindus, heaven is achieved, is to achieve nirvana. 
you've heard about nirvana before, you may probably. Uh, nirvana is a state of consciousness. It's a state of consciousness that's free from desire and suffering. And so it's a state of consciousness. And some Christians even have this idea that heaven is more of a state of mind rather than an actual place. It's just a state of mind. It's just a, a being in, in heaven. It's the state of consciousness, not an actual place. But in Acts chapter 1, verses 10 through 11, as Jesus talks to his disciples and he gives them the, the great commandment, then he begins to what? He ascends into heaven. Now he doesn't ascend into a state of mind. He doesn't ascend into a state of consciousness. He ascends into a place. He ascends into a place. Furthermore, in John chapter 14, verse 2, Jesus said what? I go to prepare a place for you. A place. He doesn't say, I'm going to prepare a state of consciousness for you. He doesn't say, I'm going to, to prepare a state of being for you. He says, I am going to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many rooms, and I go to prepare a place for you. Heaven, present heaven, is a place. It is a place. An actual place. Furthermore, present heaven is a, a place that is home to the manifest presence of God. Heaven is home to the manifest presence of God. Now, we see this in Scripture, and we've talked about these, especially we're, we're kind of doing down there, talking about angels and, and up here talking about heaven. So a lot of these Scripture passages overlap along the way. But we, we've talked a number of times about Isaiah chapter 6, and Isaiah has a vision of heaven, and, and he sees the Lord sitting on his throne high and lifted up. Now, he doesn't say much about the Lord, he doesn't describe his appearance, but he says the Lord God is, is on a throne. He's high and lifted up, and his, his train fills the throne room there. And so he sees this presence of God. But in Revelation chapter 4, we, we get a little bit more of a description. Revelation chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, notice what he says there. John says, after this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I heard uh, speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne, and he who sat, on, sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne were... Uh, was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. And around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. And from the throne came flashings of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. 
And before the throne, were, there, uh, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. Now what is he seeing here? What is John seeing? He is seeing the manifest presence of God. He is seeing the, the manifest presence of God. Now understand that heaven cannot contain God. God himself is omnipresent. And so God fills the entire universe and beyond. Heaven cannot contain God. He, he is omnipresent. He is everywhere in creation. But in heaven, in heaven, that is where God allows His radiant glory, His manifest presence to exist and to shine forth for all to see. Wayne Grudem, in fact, he defines heaven as the place where God most fully makes known His presence to bless. His presence to bless. And so this image that John is seeing of this radiant being sitting there on the throne, it is the radiant glory of God. Now God is filling all of the universe, but there is His radiant glory pouring out upon his people upon the angels in heaven there the radiant glory of god exists his manifest presence there in heaven to bless his children but not only is heaven a place in the home of the manifest presence of of god but it's also the home to the resurrected jesus christ it's home to the resurrected Jesus Christ. When Jesus ascended into heaven, He ascended to sit beside His Father on His glorious eternal throne. Philippians chapter 1, verse 23, again, Paul says, My desire is to depart and be with Christ. He, he didn't think that he was going to go into soul sleep. There, there's some who, who have this idea of soul sleep where when the body dies, the soul just goes to sleep and then is awakened at the resurrection. But Paul doesn't say, I, I, I long to go to sleep and wake up and see Jesus. No, he says, I long to be apart from this body and to be in the presence of the Lord. I want to be with Christ. Why? Because in heaven, that's where Christ is. In heaven, that's where Christ resides. The res resurrected Jesus Christ resides in heaven. He is there. He is there, sitting on His throne, sitting beside His Father. In fact, Revelation chapter 5, we see Jesus there in the throne room. Verses 6 through 10, Revelation chapter 5, verses 6 through 10 uh, here the scroll comes out and, and there's no one to open this scroll but then in verse 6 he says and between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as if as it as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth and I went and I took the and he went and he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp 
and a golden bowl full of incense, which, is, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on earth there in heaven. At the right hand of God the Father is the resurrected Jesus Christ ruling and reigning even today over his church oh how we should long to be with jesus oh we enjoy this life and we're going to leave it till it's fullest fullest oh but we should always long to be with jesus heaven is home to the resurrected jesus christ so heaven is a place it's the home of the manifest presence of God. It's home to the resurrected Jesus Christ. But notice this also, heaven is home to the saints and angels. Heaven is home to the saints and angels. Now, we've already seen the angels there. We talked about the four living creatures, and, and they're there. And we, we've talked about, especially in our angels' classes, we, we, we've seen the angels there in glory. But I want you to see this, that the, the saints... Those who have gone on in the Lord, our brothers and sisters in Christ who have departed from us and gone over, on over to heaven. That's what I mean by saints, by the way. I've got to be careful, especially in Louisiana where the, the Catholic influence is so much. Uh, Catholics, when they, you talk about saints to the Catholics, they, they think about St. Paul, St. Mary, St. Uh, John, all of the, the apostles and all these other saints that they have made. But l let me tell you, Scripture doesn't uh, say that Paul himself is a saint by himself and Peter is a saint. All of God's children are saints in the Lord. Dear friend, if you are in Christ, you are a saint. You are a saint. And so forget all of that about making this person just a saint and that person a saint and, and the Pope's got to declare you a saint. No, no, no. Jesus Christ has declared you a saint by the blood of his cross. And he has made you holy in his righteousness. So when I say the saints in heaven, I mean our brothers and sisters in Christ who have gone on to be with the Lord. I can just think of, I can see some of them right now as they used to sit in these seats. In over eight years, I've had the joy of celebrating their home going. And one day, one day, I'm going to be with them in glory. Because heaven is home to the saints and angels I want to show you this in First uh, Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 13, 13 through 18. Paul says, but, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep. That's those who have died, right? That's, that's just asleep, just says that they're, they're asleep in the Lord. They, they've gone on to be with the Lord. They're, 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 they've died. I don't want us to be uninformed about those who are, are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. 
For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, though Jesus, uh, through Jesus, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Notice what he says there. Through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. He, Paul doesn't say, and, and through Jesus, when Christ returns, he's going to wake them up. No, he says, through Jesus, when Christ returns, when the trumpet sounds and the archangel cries out, Jesus is coming and with him are all of those who have fallen asleep, all the saints who have gone on to glory. All of them will come with Jesus. Their spirit will come down with Jesus. And with the voice of a cry of the archangel, the dead in Christ, that is their bodies will be resurrected and their bodies will go up into the clouds, into the air, and, and, and will meet their spirits. And, and, and their body and spirit will be one again. They will be made whole again. But right now their spirit is with the Lord. And one day that spirit is going to return with Jesus and be reunited with that body. Today, heaven is home to the saints and angels. The saints are there with Jesus. Experiencing the manifold presence of God. All of the glory of God pouring out blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon their spirit there in heaven. Heaven is a place where the manifest presence of God and the resurrected Jesus Christ pour out the fullness of their blessing on the saints and the good angels, the obedient angels. We think of life, we, we think life is, is wonderful, right? We, we, we think life is wonderful and great when we experience just a sliver of God's blessings in this world, right? When a child is born, when you hold that newborn baby in your hand and you experience the blessing of God's creation, when a soul is saved and we rejoice with the angels that another soul has been welcomed into the kingdom, when we experience all of the glory of God here on this world, this world that is corrupted, this world that is full of evil, when we experience just a sliver of God's glory and God's blessings on this earth, we rejoice. Think how much glorious it will be when the full manifest presence of God pours out glory upon glory upon glory on us in heaven. Oh, what a wonderful experience. What a wonderful, wonderful experience. What a day that will be. Well, my Jesus, I shall see. When I look upon the face of the one who saved me by his grace. Oh, heaven is a most desirable place to be. Heaven is a most desirable place to be. So, 
that's what heaven is. But next, we need to ask this question. Where is heaven? Where is heaven? Because, the, you know, where is it? We, we look up and where is it? Where is heaven? Where is it? Well, first of all, simply, uh, plain and simple, heaven is up. Right? Heaven is up. That's pretty simple. Heaven is up. It's up. Scripture tells us this over and over again. It kind of indicates that heaven is up. We're down here and heaven is up there somewhere. Heaven is up. Think about at Babylon, Genesis chapter 11, verse 5. And the Lord came down. All right, so the people of Babylon, they, they've already disobeyed God. God told them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And they said, nope, we're not going to do it. We're going to stay right here. We're going to bundle up. We're all going to stay together. And, and we're going to build this tower up to God. And the idea, I believe, is that, that they're planning to build this, this tower up to heaven to storm the gates of heaven and, and take over God's domain. That's my thought. It's not in Scripture, but that's my thought. That kind of seems to be what they're doing there. They're trying to build this tower up into heaven. They're disobeying God, and God comes down to them. It's kind of like, you know, you ever remember like you're a kid and you had the little magnifying glass? Maybe I'm the only one who did this. I was, I was one of those little, little boys. But I had the magnifying glass that I got from my grandma and grandpa, and I would take it out in the yard, and I, I zip, zap those bugs. And that's kind of the picture that we have here. God came down, and look, what, what are these little, what, what are they doing? What are they doing? Right? He came down. He came down to those and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. They thought they were going to build it to heaven, but God came down to see that little trinket of a tower that they had built. And Jacob's ladder, Genesis chapter 28, verse 12, And Jacob dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. So he has this vision of angels going up to heaven and coming back down to earth. And of course, Jesus' ascension. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. So when they had come together, when the disciples came together, they asked him, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when He had said these things, as they were looking on, He was lifted up, and a cloud took Him out of their sight. He went up to heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2 through 4. Paul says, he's testifying about himself here. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up. He was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. There, by the way, is another description of heaven. It is paradise. 
it is paradise. But Paul was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. And so heaven is up. It's up. It's up there somewhere. We may not can see it, but it's up there. It's above the earth. Now here are some interesting facts. And when we think about this and just think about heaven and where it is. Heaven, first of all, it's far away, right? It's beyond our sight. We look up and we see and we can't see heaven. It's far beyond our sight. And just think about this. The sun is 93 million miles from the earth. It's 93 million miles away from the earth. So if a commercial jet took off and it went, it set the cruise at 550 miles per hour, it would take that jet 19 years to reach the sun. Now, our nearest neighboring galaxy, Canis Major Dwarf, I don't know who gave it that name, but that's the name of it, Canis Major Dwarf, our nearest neighboring galaxy is 25,000 light years away. 25,000 light years away. Now, the speed of light is 186,282 miles per second. So if you could travel at the speed of light, it would take you 25,000 years to get to our nearest neighboring galaxy. And the Hubble telescope, and I got this picture for you, the Hubble telescope has provided the farthest view into space and and you can see the extreme deep field that's the name of this picture there extreme deep field this is a picture of the farthest that that anyone has ever seen in our universe and the farthest galaxy in view is 13.2 billion light years away 13.2 billion light years away, but heaven's not in sight. It's not there. There's not a telescope that's been created, ever been created, that has been able to look into heaven. But heaven is also near. Heaven is also near. It's only a day's journey away. Think about this, the thief on the cross said, Jesus, think about me when you enter into your kingdom. And what does Jesus say? Truly, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today. Today you will be with me in paradise. And of course, Stephen, as he was being stoned, he looked up into heaven and he saw there Jesus And God the Father looking down upon him from heaven. And in Revelation chapter 21 verse 2, we see the new heaven or the new Jerusalem coming down. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So out of heaven comes the the bride of Christ, the new Jerusalem, the people of God to be on the new earth. 
And so it's far away, it's out of our sight, but it's near. It's near. Well, how can heaven be beyond our sight yet uh, only a day's journey, at least a day's journey, or, or no, le- no more than a day's journey away? Well, here's a possibility. Here's a possibility. Again, Scripture doesn't say this spe- specifically, but, but there's some indication here. Heaven is in a spiritual dimension. Heaven may be in a spiritual dimension. It seems like heaven is in a spiritual dimension. Now, the world as we know it exists in only four dimensions, right? It's, it's length, width, width, length, width, depth, and time. Four dimensions. But, of course, we know theoretical physics, they have the string theory, which posits the existence of at least ten different dimensions and i think it's actually more than that but at least 10 different dimensions most of which we we couldn't perceive so that's a theory that's not proof that's not evidence that theoretical physics but but these smart scientists folks think that that there's at least 10 dimensions that we cannot see well scripture also suggests perhaps multiple dimensions think about this think about the heavenly army that's unseen by the human eye. We talked about Elisha last Wednesday night there in the city and surrounded by the Syrian army. And his servant came to him and, and, and rose up early in the morning and, and he went out and behold, an army, the Syrian army was with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said to Elisha, he said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Dude, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid, son. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha prayed and said, Oh, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So could it be that these spiritual beings, these angels, were in another dimension? A dimension that they could not see, invisible to the human eye. But God allowed Elisha and his servant to peek into this spiritual dimension. Again, as Stephen was being stoned, he, he looked up into heaven. He said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. I believe present heaven, it's up. And it's also in a spiritual dimension. It's there. It's right there. We just can't see it. Because it's in a separate dimension, a dimension that God hasn't given us eyes to see, at least not yet. Present heaven, friend, is a most desirable place to be. It is a most desirable place to be. It is a, it's not a simple state of mind. It's not a state of consciousness. Heaven is an actual place somewhere above where the saints and the angels experience the, the full blessings of God's presence. And next time, we're going to dig into what it's like. What's, what's life like in present heaven? But right now, we can see that it's a glorious place. 
It's a glorious place to be. Present heaven is a most desirable place to be. As Hebrew 11, Hebrews 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 16, 7 uh, says to us that heaven is a better country. It is a better homeland. It is, and I wonder, is it your homeland? Is it your homeland? You see, you can't get to heaven by train, plane, or automobile. The only way you get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And Thomas says, well, where's this place, Lord? How do we get there? We don't know how to get there. How do we get there, Lord? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is there in heaven. And he's provided a way for you through the blood of his cross. He lived and died for you so that you might have life in him. Have you received him today? You want to go to heaven? Jesus is the way. Trust in Jesus. And he'll take you there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for what your, your word reveals about heaven. Oh, Lord, let us not consider the misconceptions that have been fed to us through our culture, even through other religions. But, Lord, let us ground everything that we think and believe about heaven. Let's ground it all in what you have revealed to us in your word. And Lord, we recognize that you don't tell us everything about heaven. But Lord, you've, you've given us enough a picture that we should know it's the most desirable place to be. And even though we want to live life and serve you well with whatever life you have given us, for as long as you have given it to us, Lord, we, we want to be faithful. We want to be like Paul. To live as Christ. To live is to live for your glory. To live is to work for, for you and for your church. And, and we want to be faithful to that and honor you and glorify you with every minute, every second of our lives. But Lord, let us long, just like Paul, let us long to be apart from the body and in your presence in heaven. Oh Lord, if there's any any who wonder how to get to heaven. Maybe it sounds like a good place for them to be, but Lord, they just don't know how to get there. Lord, let them see Jesus. Let them look to Christ. Let them make heaven their homeland through Jesus. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.